good morning. Uh, welcome to the new episode of the JCMC interview series. Today we are with uh, Jacob Hoylund uh, from Fidovre uh, Hospital uh, in uh, Denmark. Um, so welcome, Jacob. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Entrona. Uh, and thank you to the Journal of Clinical Monitoring for uh, selecting our study for this uh, presentation. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, today we are going to talk about uh, a new study that came out in our journal uh, a few weeks ago. It is the Peripheral Perfusion Index Discriminates Hemodynamic Responses to Induction of General Anesthesia. You will find also the link uh, in, in the platforms we are going to use uh, to share our video and our audio. So um, I would start with the first question with you, Jacob. Uh, I would like to ask you uh, in brief if you can tell us what this study is about. Uh, we conducted this uh, prospective observational study of uh, 107 patients uh, where we looked at the induction period of general anesthesia. Uh, the main uh, uh, parameter we wanted to examine was the Peripheral Perfusion Index, or the PPI for short. Uh, the Peripheral Perfusion Index, it's obtained uh, non-invasively non by photoplatismography, uh, like your normal uh, pulse oximetry uh, finger clamp. And basically, it's the ratio of pulsatile to non-pulsatile signal attenuation or more plainly, it's how much of the absorbed red light is absorbed by a pulsatile uh, motion. For instance, a PPI of 2 would mean that the pulsatile absorption is 2% relative to the non-pulsatile absorption of light. So, uh, and the pulse oximetry device uses this to, 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 see, to uh, look at what it thinks is the arterial signal, of course, because it wants to look at the uh, saturation of the arterial blood. So it's kind of inherent to uh, photoprotismography. Yeah. What we did was uh, we wanted to look at the changes of the PPI and also mean arterial pressure and uh, stroke volume. And we looked at it, of course, at baseline before induction and then two minutes after induction. And we wanted to see how did these uh, relative changes compare and could we elucidate something from the changes in the PPI about the changes in the, the systemic hemodynamics. What we did was we stratified the, the patients into quartiles based on how the PPI responded to induction. Uh, so what we had the uh, said uh, how much does the uh, PPI increase or decrease uh, uh, two minutes after induction, and then we 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 made this as, as a stratification parameter, and then we just we looked at the, the other parameters as uh, mean arterial pressure, cardiac stroke volume, to see uh, could the changes in the PPI say something about the the global uh, hemodynamic response. Uh, stroke volume was calculated by a LITCO monitor using, uh, uh, in the 
a little bit uh, below half of the patient had a, an arterial catheter, uh, and uh, then we just uh, put on the little monitor through, through that, and it ca calculated the stroke uh, arterial blood pressure monitoring from a CNAP module, and then we used the same uh, LITCO algorithm to calculate the stroke volume. So, okay, thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Um, I'm, I mean, as a, as a reader and also as an editor, um, I, I would like to know how this idea came to your mind and what was the journey behind, uh, behind the curtains of, of, uh, of, the, of the publication? Well, yeah, uh, as I'm an anesthesiologist, uh, and uh, I think all uh, anesthesiologists has, has had this experience when you are uh, having to anesthetize a, a hemodynamically unstable patient that sometimes uh, just uh, after, in the minutes after induction, the signal from the, the pulse oximetry drops away or becomes very low. And so that's kind of the... Uh, there's like this basic entry. What, what, there's something happening here. Uh, and then we uh, discovered that uh, in fact, uh, our uh, monitors uh, at, at our OR, which uh, was able to just by clicking a few buttons to show the PPI. And then we began to, to just play around with it, see what's going on. Uh, but we, in fact, uh, the next thing we did was we had a, a study uh, also with the Journal of Clinical Monitoring and Computing a couple of years back, uh, where we looked at a smaller group of patients uh, undergoing under general anesthesia, where we uh, changed the uh, preload by uh, by tilting the, the bed and and thus uh, saw some changes to stroke volume and, and uh, arterial pressure, and then we uh, reversed and, and recruited preload to the patients to to make the stroke volume. Uh, come up again and we saw that the, the PPI was able to track these changes so we, we we know that's something interesting going on then I thought uh, let's make it <laughs> a little bit more difficult because uh, uh, the the thing is when you are under uh, general anesthesia the the PPI uh, kind of reflects these changes or changes in the PPI kind of reflects changes in these systemic hemodynamic parameters. Uh, my colleague, Professor Foss, he joined this uh, phrase, coined this phrase, the window to the heart. Um, so when uh, we can open by sympatholysis under general anesthesia, we can open the window and look uh, into uh, the, the systemic hemodynamic from the finger clamp. The opposite is uh, applied when you are awake. Uh, the, the window is closed. Uh, in awake patients, it's uh, uh, what you can say that the main driver is uh, the level of sympathetic activation. It's the sympathetic nervous system that uh, determines the PPI. The higher the degree of sympathetic activation, the lower the PPI. And that's, of course, a, a bit difficult to work with because it can be more benign causes like uh, anxiety, fear, pain, but also severe uh, causes like uh, uh, shock, uh, 
sepsis uh, trauma that, that drives this sympathetic activation. But still, we thought there might be something going on when we go from this state of, uh, uh, let me say, sympathetic uh, nervous system dominated uh, PPI to uh, this uh, more uh, pulsatile input dominated PPI in this induction phase. But we knew we had to, you know, bump up the volume of patients a little bit more so we could describe like kind of a range of uh, physiological uh, or hemodynamic response. What I found really interesting uh, reading this study uh, is that the, the study is per se quite simple. Um, but simple doesn't mean trivial, you know? So it's a, it's a straightforward idea. Um, it's, a, it's a simple concept, but at the same time, it's really, really interesting to read the results. And uh, as an anesthesiologist, I mean, I feel that I can draw some really useful information out of it, uh, even, even without the, the monitoring system itself. So it's, uh, I, I, I also congratulated with you, Jacob, talking in the phone during the preparation of this interview, because uh, uh, we, we as researchers, uh, as anesthesiologists, we, we always try to find the fancy idea, the, the very uh, wow, wow effect uh, research question. We also look for world big grants uh, and, and, and we look for big, uh, big studies, big RCTs. But this is a, a quite simple study with a lot of information out, out of it. So really, uh, I, I feel I have to congratulate with you for, for these efforts. Thank you. Thank you. I also uh, found it uh, uh, very satisfying to see that uh, some of our ideas could come to fruition. Uh, we, of course, course, had kind of, based on what I said before, the hypothesis that there would be uh, maybe a, a different uh, types of response to induction that, and that the PPI would be able to discriminate. We saw that uh, the, uh, in the, the quartile with the highest PPI, the PPI increased. That is kind of the normal response uh, and, in, in, and the response in, in healthy and younger patients that the PPI does increase. Uh, and in this highest portal, it increased by almost a X of three. And here we saw that the mean arterial pressure was reduced by only 25%. And the stroke volume was almost preserved at 86% of baseline value. Where in the, the other uh, end of the spectrum, uh, the PPI increased by, by half and mean arterial pressure likewise decreased also by almost by half and the stroke volume was uh, down at 60% of, of baseline. So it seems like, and this is like uh, analogous to this, uh, this uh, case I did described earlier where the, you, you know, the, just the PPR just drops away. So, so there is some, something uh, going on that makes it, uh, that we can say something about the physiology. And of course, uh, as you said, it's interesting not only for me as a researcher, but also for, I think, for everyone as a clinician, because this is not something very fancy. It's something 
that we have both sides, and in fact, uh, is at least in theory is uh, available to everyone everywhere in the perioperative setting because, as I said, it is inherent to the photoplatismography. So uh, if you just can reach in and uh, yank that uh, that signal out of your monitor, you have some some extra extra monitoring at no extra cost. And that's what I think it's great because, you know, we are uh, short on, on staff, short on money, short on time. And this is something that gives us uh, something for nothing. It's like the free lunch, you know. <laughs> um, yes, so I think uh, that, that's the most uh, most uh, satisfying thing with, with this study. I, I think everybody can go out straight and, and, and use it. Uh, we also uh, did as uh, in the article, we just tried to make it even more simple. So we said, what happens if the PPI decreases? And what happens if it increases? And in the one third of the patients, it, in our uh, selection, it, there was a decrease, and they also had a, a significantly more uh, adverse uh, hemodynamic response to induction than the other patients. So that would be the most easy way to go into this. Watch the PPI, and you know it changes almost beat to beat. So so, so this is like this extra monitoring level between the uh, intermittent non-invasive uh, blood pressure management monitoring and the, the invasive arterial cannula that's you know it takes some time and and you know so you have this extra in the in between i think that's uh, is thank you it's uh, it's nice because uh, in two episodes of this these podcasts we always go back to the same uh, to the same issue uh, that is uh, uh, do the best for our patients and but to find a way of doing the best uh, discriminating be between uh, a bunch of of monitoring systems a lot of monitoring systems uh, some of them are really expensive new ones so the commitment of our journal and in general of of the anesth anesthesia community is to work to find a, a better way of treating our patients without uh, uh, too much uh, relying on the burden of costs, you know, in a time where the balance between costs and benefit need, need to be, it's our goal. So sustainability in every, in every sense. So this is, it's, it's really interesting. And what I was thinking is um, uh, at this point, what were the challenges in performing this study? So what were the challenges challenges that you encountered uh, from the idea to to the to the implementation of such study i think in fact as I, I just touched upon it before it was i think the most challenging thing was i, I tried to uh, calculate the sample size for this but um, you know soon it turned out this is impossible of course there's uh, quite a lot of data on uh, but not as much as you should think about uh, uh, that the hypotension upon uh, induction of anesthesia, quite less about the, the, the changes in, in stroke volume, it has, it, but uh, about how the uh, PPI performs, there's uh, uh, very close to nothing. Uh, there's one study that's been done before, a, a little bit a smaller study that showed that statistically the PPI uh, increases and the uh, uh, 
arterial pressure decreases. Uh, I knew that uh, beforehand, but I but I wanted to have uh, enough patience because I thought there's something more, and that's what we uh, finally, uh, luckily, ended up showing. There's something more that there's a different kind of response. There's this subset of patients where the PPI decreases, and these are the patients that are most uh, hemodynamically unstable. And so it ended up, I just did like finger in the wind, we'll have 100 patients. <laughs> and it, luckily, it, it was uh, enough, and we had kind of a it's a uh, in fact we ended, had 111 patients but then there was some some missing data so we had 107 that we could analyze and that that was uh, that was you know we just because i have to you know make the protocol and just to say how much do what ah, i said 100 so so um, as as last question i was interested in if you could suggest how this study could impact, uh, in your opinion, the, the practice of anesthesiologists today? And uh, if you have any, any perspective on what's next, so if you have in mind of, of you, you are, uh, I mean, you, you can forecast uh, if you see any development of this technique or for future studies. Thank you. Well, uh, I... First and foremost, I hope uh, that the, our study can contribute to uh, the more widespread uh, use and uh, knowledge of the, the PPI, uh, as I mentioned before, because it, it is this uh, very low-hanging fruit because we have it all around. We just have to acknowledge we have it. Maybe, you know, get uh, play a bit with your monitor, maybe get your medical technicians to get it out for you, but but for, for very many of us and for our patients, it's readily uh, available. So I hope uh, we can bring some some uh, focus on that. Uh, uh, when looking uh, forward, uh, what we are uh, looking at is uh, uh, we use uh, vasoconstriction uh, quite a lot uh, in the uh, a lot of our, our settings uh, as, as a standard to, to many of our anesthetics. And uh, of course, the, the idea is to counteract the, uh, the sympathrolysis and vasoplegia uh, induced by the anesthetics that uh, uh, both the decree, uh, also the afterload and the preload. So, uh, but we also know that, uh, and we have all seen clinically, you, when uh, using a too high dose vasopressor, you can have some uh, adverse effects on the patients. So what we are uh, looking into or, uh, and think that the PPI can be maybe one parameter is this this level of safe vasoconstriction. And uh, it seems we use phenylephrine and this, like, this is uh, uh, an, an alpha agonist, so it's just the uh, has no inotropic uh, effect, but we see that uh, when we use this, we will normally have an increase in the the PPI and and some and whether depending on the monitoring, we'll have of course increased uh, arterial pressure. Sometimes uh, 
increase the stroke volume, but that would depend if you have we have stroke volume monitoring, and especially of course depend on whether the patient is preload dependent, because then we if we can recruit preload with vasopressor, of course we can improve stroke volume and the PPI would increase. But at, at some level, uh, and that can be in very unstable patients, uh, you would give, uh, can come in this situation where we, you will apply too much vasopressor and uh, have uh, the uh, adverse effects on organ perfusion. And of course, uh, I would like to measure, you know, end organ perfusion a lot of places on the patient, but that's not uh, feasible. So, so I think this can be. A I mean, I'm of course biased because I'm editor of the of the journal, but I have to I have a disclaimer <laughs> to 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 do because the day after I read this paper for the first time, I went through the OR equipment in in my institution to to search which kind of monitor had PPI on it because I wasn't aware as an anesthesiologist of of the existence of PPI you know so I I I went through the equipment and I found some monitors that 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 are able to provide the PPI so I think I will start using PPI after reading your paper so I'm not sure it's a statistically sample a significant sample but uh, I will start using PPI <laughs> thanks to your, your work. Thank you. And of course, uh, you will see uh, that uh, there is, of, of course, we try to make a very ideal setting, but yeah, you know, especially in awake patients, this is, uh, there's a plenty of opportunity for, for, for making error to the signal. And, and, you know, also when, when you anesthetize, especially the, the smaller children, you will see that the PPI does uh, like it. I don't know why, but they they tend to like have the the PPI signal decreasing. So you have to change the fingers uh, more often that than with adults, or, or else you will see in the end this very low perfusion, and then you will say, "Oh, the saturation is dropping." So of course you have to be aware of of that, as always with especially non-invasive monitoring, you have to be a little bit. Uh, no, when is it? Just uh, this value. When can I not? Uh, if I may add a little one thing is we also you use it sometimes when we have uh, as an early warning of uh, sympathetic activation. So also uh, we can see sometimes when uh, the PPI decreases and the uh, mean arterial pressure, for example, increases. This is typically an early. Uh, uh, warning that uh, the maybe not the patient is about to wake up, but that there's the surgical stimulus is is more more intense than than we thought, and then we, we have to especially give extra opioids or, or whatever. But also, uh, when you just look at it, you can see the patient is about to wake up when you have closed all the resin, and then just the PBI will will come up uh, just like thirty seconds before the. the or also come down or come when the 30 seconds before the patient awakes. So there's a lot of things going on, but basically it's, uh, you know, it's physio physiology and that's always interesting, you know, but you have to integrate all these different inputs that is, that makes up the PPI. Thank you. It's, uh, it's really, really interesting. Uh, I'm afraid our time is, uh, is running out.
So I would like to thank uh, Jacob for being uh, today with us. And uh, I would ask to our followers and listeners to, uh, to click uh, follow on YouTube, Amazon Music, Spotify, and on all the platforms where they, they, can, uh, they can follow us because it, this is going to increase our engagement and, uh, and it gives us the possibility to, to upload more contents on our, uh, on our podcast. So thank you, Jacob, once again. It was really nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.